where the two of us, good friends, join forces to fight the condition of ignorance by distributing the power of knowledge to unsuspecting listeners like yourself in a fairly haphazard manner, depending on how tired we are individually in each episode. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. I was discussing our show to my friend who cuts my hair, and um, she was like, what's your show? And I was like, we both teach each other something, but like... Not, like, in a really, like, educated way. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really know how to say it. Yeah, yeah. if if anybody fact-checks this podcast, uh, we're going to be riddled with errors. But you know what? We don't get paid. We don't get paid, and we are not trying to cause harm. I know. Yeah, so. (laughs) So, Pete, how's your week going? Going, uh, not great. I'm, like, uh, not happy, but I don't know why. And I'm, like, real aggressive. But I don't know why. Do you need Cymbalta? I think I need just uh, to take all the vacation time I have at once. How much is that? 18 days. So that could potentially be three and a half weeks. That's a lot. I like it. Okay. I I suppose I could also tack some sick days on there, too, because nobody seems to care. Yeah. Sounds like it from what you tell me about your job. Yeah. Oh, how's my week? Yeah. I've been spending every night, no, I'm sorry, every weeknight for three weeks in a nightmarish frenzy, sleep deprived. Oh, okay, okay. Because my job is really hard and I'm in over my head. If I may disagree, not disagree, but if I may contradict for a moment, I have spent a majority, what are we on, Thursday now? I have spent a majority of my week sleeping all the time (laughs) because... My job is not intellectually stimulating. <laughs> and yeah, I think I'm, I'm just generally I think I'm just generally depressed, which lends itself well to sleep. <laughs> I wouldn't like to be depressed, but I'd like to be not stimulated. I'm yeah. so stimulated I'm out of my mind. Um anyway. But I was just in a lift. My mind is a little bit changed. Do you mean an elevator? No, I was in Do you like mean an a ski Uber. lift? No, it was in an Uber equivalent. So, I thought eco-terrorism, what? Yeah. What did we talk about? eco Eco-sexuality? Eco-sexuality. Yeah, eco-fondalism. <laughs> was horrible. Now, who I met was not an eco... I keep thinking terrorist. The person I met was not an eco-sexual. But they were telling me about the Earth in such an earnest, deep way. It was this really sweet guy. Really was this, nice. Was this a driver or like a share? The driver. Oh, okay. I would never okay. talk to the people in the share. <laughs> it's a driver. And he was like, how's your day? And I was like, how's your day? And he was like, I bought these flowers. And they were only like $1 and blah, blah, blah. And he was like. Then I, I rubbed them all over my ball. No, no. Again, he wasn't ecosexual, but he just reminded me of that. He's like, people don't know that if they just surround themselves with more flowers and they were more in tune with nature. There would be less conflict because we are part of the earth and what we need is the energy back from the flowers. But he didn't say it in this like ditzy hippie way. He just did it. It said it really matter of fact. I got out of that Uber so pumped. Not on eco sexuality or eco terrorism, 
Just what flowers in me, general. <laughs> he made me think I might get some flowers. And uh, he just made me pumped. Cause he was telling me, like, you don't need drinking. You need to surround yourself with scents and blah, blah, blah. And despite how much I made fun of eco-terrorism, whatever. Um, I remember earlier this year, I did go, earlier last year, I went to a plant medicine workshop where I made sage smudge sticks. That's right. So I dabble in bullshittery, but um, it usually you takes also, someone else. You also like that Philly flower show when you can get there, right? Yeah, I do love flowers. There's just something about the way certain people frame things, and I'm like, it sounds so stupid. But the way the person framed it today, I'm like, fine, sign me up. <laughs> so it's all about not seeming like, it's all about not seeming like. Everything in moderation. That's all it is. Okay. You go too far in one direction, you start to look like a crazy person. I was going to say it's all about not reminding me of a white girl at Coachella, but what you said makes more sense. (laughs) I know what I meant when I said that. Modern day hippies remind me of like blonde girls in Coachella with fringe shorts and they're wearing a suede Native American inspired crop top and they think they're enlightened and they're on acid, and they put a little flower in their hair, and they think they're an ecosexual now. Like that's them, what I think of as a modern. Let them have the moment. No, the moment's don't all they have. Them. Don't <laughs> let anybody. Icebreaker. Who was your first legit celebrity crush that you remember that had a big impact on you? Um, can I divert the conversation instead? You can still answer yours. Fine. <laughs> this reminds me of when I dated Liz. She had like a book of celebrity crushes. She had like a lot. And like just some, you know, like stupid dating conversation like, oh, let's make a list of people like if we met them, you know, like that you'd bump. We're allowed to bang. Right, right. And, and then you said someone and she said, you're dead to me. I did that as a test. I, listen, I knew better than to proceed in this conversation, but I didn't have any celebrities. Like, I like regular people. I have my friends. <laughs> or that lady who works at the sandwich shop. Right. Like, and that's not okay in that conversation. You no, can't go, it's oh, not. Uh, I don't want to bone any members of Hanson, but the girl who makes sandwiches is real cute. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you didn't say that. Good for you not saying that. Well, she still thought I would bone the girl who makes sandwiches probably because she was crazy. But uh, yeah, like she had so many, it made me uncomfortable. And I was like, geez, I have to like catch up or something like that. But I never really did. No, you don't. That means she's not (laughs) discerning. Except for with you. But with nobody else. (laughs) In my life, at my most, I've had like five. But I had like one of my best girlfriends, Alicia... We had a thing, there's no reason, we had a thing where we said we had a harem, and every few months we would check in to see who was the leader of our harem, and it was important that we told each other when someone else surpassed the other ones, and we were only allowed to have one leader of our harem, so at every point we made each other pick who was the leader, and we were not allowed to have two people that we thought were equals. Like, we had to have a hierarchy of celebrities we liked. It was very weird, and it was like when I was 28, not when I was a child. <laughs> are there any that our listeners would have heard of? No, those were all Koreans. Right, yeah, okay. But 
my first celebrity crush, it was like, I don't know if it was my first one, but this is the first one that was like visceral because I have strong emotions now. When I was younger, they were so strong, I was in pain. My first celebrity crush, which what was wrong with me, was Liam Gallagher from Oasis. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. So hard. <laughs> I wanted to marry that man so hard. That's all. That's my yeah. I'm still thinking. I don't. I don't think I have anybody. Probably something on Melrose Place or some shit. Okay. 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 I'll go first. Okay. I have no personal story about how I came across the practice that I'm going to talk about today. In a way, it found me more than I found it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to talk about cremain lining. Oh, Cre- you are. Okay. Cremain lining is snorting. Oh, I can- Lining. Ah. <laughs> is snorting human ashes. I was like, talking about it to my hairstylist. Go ahead. <laughs> like one might do to lines of cocaine. And she was like, yeah, I know all about that. Continue. She can't know all about that. She did swear. She said, I know all about that. That's it? Was that the end of the conversation? She said it was in an episode of Six Feet Under. Oh. Well, that's a made-up show, so. And then I asked her, like, what's the story behind it, but she couldn't tell me, so go ahead. So glad that you asked, because it's not even the most famous case that brought this to my attention, which I will get to in a bit. Instead, it was an internet legend, and it is called an internet legend. And Marissa, I wanted to briefly talk about what internet legend? (laughs) What is that? Does that mean just a legend distributed on the internet? Is that a creepypasta? Right. So. Or if it's not creepy, is it a pasta? Somewhat factual pasta. (laughs) So the original story... That was... Info pasta! There we go. (laughs) Get that domain. (laughs) Yes. The original story is from 1996, and it goes a little something like this. When Nathan Nathan Radlich's house was burgled, thieves left his TV, left his VCR, they even left his watch. But what they did take was a, quote, generic white cardboard box filled with grayish white powder. A spokesman for the Fort Lauderdale police. A spokesman for the Fort Lauderdale. A spokesman for the Fort Lauderdale police said that it looked similar to cocaine, and they'd probably thought that they hit the big time. Anyway, Nathan stood in front of the TV cameras and pleaded, "Please return the cremated remains of my sister Gertrude. She died oh, three years ago." The next morning, as the legend goes. The bullet-riddled corpse of a drug dealer known as Hoochie Pevins was found on Nathan's doorstep. The cardboard box was there, too, with about half of Gertrude's ashes left. There was this note, along with the body, that said, quote, Hoochie sold us the bogus blow, so we wasted Hoochie. Sorry we snorted your sister. No hard feelings. Have a nice day. And of course... That's fine, but why would you put his body on the guy's Have a nice day. is clearly my favorite part. Give the ashes and put that letter if you want. Don't give me Have a nice Hoochie. day disposing of Hoochie's body. That's stupid. I have heard that story. This is a fantastical story, but the best parts of the story are untrue. As per an article on Snopes, which had tremendous research. The crime, of course, occurred, but that's where the story ends. Somebody stole the sister's remains. 
and left the TV and everything like that. But yeah. the true motive of the criminals and how far they went with the ashes will never be known unless the criminals decided to, you know, like come clean or something like that. In 2000, in Essex, England, suspects stole cremated dog remains kept in a container labeled Charlie. When they were busted, the ashes were in lines in, you know, like the home or something like why that. Why would you think they put their cocaine in a fake urn jar? Here's why. They were prepped for snorting. Evidently, Charlie is slang for cocaine in the <gasps> UK. <laughs> and that gave yeah, the cops still, a hearty laugh. Yeah, right. Who would like, have an urn that said, like, cocaine on it? Jungle. Like, do you keep oh. your cocaine in a big urn on the shelf that says cocaine? <laughs> yeah, that's very silly. The previous story about Nathan and uh, Hoochie took place in Florida. In 2011, again in Florida, uh, thieves burgled a Silver Springs home and stole the ashes of two Great Danes. Suspects thought that it was cocaine and did actually snort some. In 2013, human remains were stolen in Tennessee along with an Xbox, but they were recovered intact. So, somebody who factually, actually, really, legitimately snorted human remains is evasive, except for Rolling Stones zombie Keith Richards. Oh, is that real? In a 2007 interview where he admitted to snorting his father's cremated remains. His publicist followed up, though, by saying it was a joke. But one account that actually tries to get to the truth of it says that Keith Richards had so much stuff to snort in his house, he said, I probably did at one point, like, snort part of my father. Okay. But if you if you get it uh, specifically from him, he says that he took cocaine and he took the ashes and he cut them together. Not as interesting. I right. want straight up ass snorting because I want to know what it does for you. Does it make you feel closer to them? Does it give you a high? Does it give you an otherworldly experience where you feel like you understand their memories and thoughts and emotions? No. How do you know? Don't say no to me like you know the answer, bitch. Are you kidding me? That's what my next part is. This will make sense in the end, I hope. No. You take... Poser. So so you have a body, right? You burn the body. What's left? You have ashes, which are the remains of something that is burnt. You have bone fragments. Uh, You might have casket bits, depending on what the casket is made of. The casket bits? Yes, I did. Okay. Mm. Perhaps some formaldehyde elements, but they probably burned off. The hitch with the cocaine, Marissa, is that cocaine and other snortable drugs are water-soluble materials, so they can dissolve in your bloodstream. Human remains, they don't dissolve in anything. They're just going to go right into your lungs. Okay. I'll believe that they don't give you a high, but I won't believe that there's not an otherworldly supernatural element that you don't understand because you've never done it. It's true. I haven't. Yeah, exactly. Don't talk so matter of fact. (laughs) If Keith Richards did this once, it's not so bad. But if he did it on a regular basis, he would end up like coal miners back in the day who got black lung because they were breathing in so much ash and coal and dirt from working underground. Oh, that'd be fascinating to die from getting black lung from snorting somebody oh my god that's so cool <laughs> uh these foreign elements and everything like that would of course also cause several issues for your lungs says you that however is snorting but since this episode is coming out on hashtag 420 what if you smoked the ashes <laughs> like 
Tupac's former band, The Outlaws, did with the legendary rapper's remains. Oh, really? They quoted one of the members as saying, if you listen to Black Jesus, he said, last wishes, smoke my ashes. Okay. That was a request he had. We took it serious. Now, if you look up smoking cremains, there's a lot more Google results than snorting. But again, the confirmation and uh, the side effects of this is equally valid. So you have some stories of people saying they did it and some stories of people saying that they're all bullshit. My yeah, thought yeah. would be, though, Mercy, you used to smoke. Yeah. Could you imagine after you smoke the cigarette, you take all the ashes and you roll another cigarette? Oh. Right? Like, yeah, no, that doesn't seem right. So to me... <laughs> seems like it, it'd be a really dirty inhale. It seems like the same thing would happen here. Yeah, yeah, you're because right. Because it's already ashes. Yeah, maybe it was, like, packed really, really dense and had a filter. <laughs> <laughs> I smoke filtered cigarettes yes yes so yeah i don't know so the gist of it marissa is that cremain lining isn't real you said that wrong <laughs> yeah okay so it's potentially real and i'm sure some people have done it but the accounts are not available to me unless we travel to new zealand or thailand apparently, or we go on the dark web <laughs> of course <laughs> apparently thailand in Thailand, uh, there is a drug that they take human remains, cr- human cremains, excuse me, and they cut it with a flower that is indigenous to Thailand. Oh, yeah! And they put the two together, and kids get high off of it to the point that they had an issue with kids going around, like, where people would spread ashes and collecting so the ashes. So this is it! What are you yeah. talking about? This is it! This is amazing! Yeah, but it's all, like, allegedly... <laughs> Oh, man, what is it called? I don't know. It starts with a K. It's amazing. I don't speak Thai. I can only say chicken, pet, see you. <laughs> there are a couple of uh, videos on YouTube of people smoking people that they loved, the remains of people that they loved. Gross! Do it in S- privacy. Some people in, also speculated under the that... next to an altar. This takes it to a super sad level. Some people were like, I want to smoke the remains of my friend who was also an addict because I think I will be able to get high off of their ashes because there's so much in their system. I don't like that. Um, It's weird. Yeah. And I get it. But if a guy says uh, he's smoking somebody's ashes and he just takes a YouTube video, like there's no way to verify exactly what he's smoking. So again, this all remains inconclusive and we challenge you listener to smoke some human cremains. Take a picture. Tell us what it is like. By calling us at 570-PODWAD1. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like, what kind of person would smoke human cremains? I'll tell you, like, it seems like people who live in Florida who have drug problems. But also, there's a famous interview with uh, Marilyn Manson in which he said that he and his bandmates smoked uh, uh, ground-up human bones. Which, again, I, I don't know how that would work out, but... Some people in certain circles would call Marilyn Manson part of what kind of subculture, Marissa? That's debatable. That's <laughs> I said some people. I said some people. <laughs> some people would call Marilyn Manson goth. I would not. That was a good segue, but I'm not ready because I want to ask you first. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I really try on this show. <laughs> If there was someone you loved, like uh, your wife, you had a or a lover. No, it's not. If you, your lover died prematurely. 
By the way, I was listening. Why did you pick lover over wife? Because that's too sad. I was reading an article the other day, and they were like, (laughs) I learned to love my boyfriend even more when we became in an open relationship, so much that I would call him lover. Is that mean you love them more when you refer to your own boyfriend as your lover? That doesn't seem like you love them more to me. Well, I'll say that I could see somebody seeing lover as more serious than boyfriend. It also seems, like, gross. (laughs) Right. I'm going to say I would prefer partner to lover. I would find it okay if I was in Edwardian times. Would you smoke, not in a exploitative, like, um, a YouTube way, but if someone was, like, you were getting the person cremated and then the cremate person, whatever they're called, was, like... What would I, what would I want to do with the ashes? No, no. If they were, like... Because I learned that there's a company called Holy Smoke that will take one pound of human ashes and turn it into 250 shotgun shell. Okay, no, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, they were going to say, excuse me, we have a special program now. I can make you one commemorative filtered cigarette to make your loved one one with you. Would you take one one? Are we going to role play this? Filtered cigarette? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, um, ma'am, I, that, that seems kind of distasteful, um, and and I, I, you know, like I, I'm not really comfortable with that. Could you tell me why why you think that might be a good idea? Like, why do other people do that? Because the vapors are like their life force. She did give me the vapors. Your... She did give me the vapors. <laughs> no, I'm not ready to role play. So no, no. Well, I was going to wait for whatever you said, and then I was going to say, you'll have to give me two so that I can have one with her mom. <laughs> it'll not. I don't want to be selfish, you know? <laughs> this is a game me and Pete used to like to play. I would make him role play something really absurd, but I wasn't ready. This character wasn't fully fleshed out. I, I do want to know, though, would you want one cigarette of your loved one or no? Because you don't like smoking. I probably would not be inclined to smoke it, but depend. Like, if we had a relationship that I wish I will have one day. I would totally get the cigarette and I would never smoke it, but I would keep it. And I'd be like, look, this is a funny thing about this woman that I loved. And every time I look at the cigarette, I get weepy eye. <laughs> you would show your future wife your cream? Well, no, I'm assuming my future wife is the dead person. What? My, what I'm envisioning is, okay. I'm sorry. You, you went with a lover and somehow lover was not as like equal to wife so that confused me a little bit so for me it was easier to pick wife because presumably my wife would also be my lover oh and then you show your future lover your wife no cigarette? no marissa you're thinking of me having a vibrant sex life after the passing of my spouse <laughs> it's not like you were telling someone about it yeah like like when we go back uh you know and and we're back at the house and like friends come by or something like that i'm gonna be like there's there's denise like who's we what do you mean we you said well we're back in the house yeah like friends and family and when people come Uh, over uh, and stuff uh, like uh, that uh, uh. yeah i'm gonna be like there's there's denise old denise you know like she knows i don't smoke why did she even ask for that but i gotta be honest i wouldn't ask for it myself i would much rather have her ashes compressed into a diamond I wouldn't look for it, but if I was offered, not a pack or anything, but like one filtered, mind you, cigarette. We'll try this again. So, excuse me, ma'am. I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of your spouse. 
that's okay. Wow. But uh, while we were, while we were, you know, like we packaged all the ashes and I know you have them in the canister and you're ready to go. Uh, it's really hard to open those things. And I actually have a little bit extra that we forgot to get into. That's the disgusting. No, what, no, ma'am, ma'am. Are you so shoddy? You ma'am. job that you don't, you keep a little on the side? Ma'am, What's we don't keep you, a little on the side. We just, we just forgot this part. Like we missed this part. Why when was when, it isolated? Look, I'm just a guy who works at part time. I clean out the, the furnace. Okay. We have yeah, a little bit, we have a little bit of your husband left. And I just want to know, I didn't even offer you yet. Would you like me to roll him into a cigarette so that you can smoke him? That's a very weird if, – if this was a business you had, well, that's one thing. But if you're just the guy who cleans the furnace, but you're suddenly offering to roll ashes you forgot to put inside, that's very ma'am, weird. Ma'am, how about I put it to you this way? I'm going to roll your husband into a cigarette. I just want to know if you want to smoke it or if I am. You're disgusting, but I'm not smoking it in front of you. So you do want it. I mean, I don't want you to have it. That's disgusting. All right. You're. right. I'm citing you. <laughs> but thank you. I'm reporting you to the health uh, somebodies. <laughs> the health somebodies. And speaking of furnaces, I'm going to talk about hot goths. <laughs> I'm just going to talk about goths, but goths are inherently hot. I want to talk about goths, not like as I'm making fun of a thing, but because I miss it. Um, I don't know if I've ever mentioned in previous podcasts, I worked for Gothic Beauty Magazine for, I think, somewhere around eight years. Um, and I would say that at least a chunk of people in my life would have described me as a goth up until maybe just a few years ago, maybe to like 28 or 29. Korea got a few more colors in my wardrobe. But, um... So when I was a teen, working Gothic Beauty was like my dream. Like that is where I wanted to be. And I eventually worked for it. It was really fun for a while. Dreams come true, guys. Then after a while, um, there was some drama. The magazine lost a lot of writers. It eventually lost a lot of advertisers. Gothic Beauty magazine used to be distributed in Barnes & Noble and a few other. um, But uh, it lost all its distribution at any big bookstores. So while part of that was due to the death of print... I also feel like the fan base is not what it once was. I'm sorry. Um, did you just slip the death of Prince in there? Death of Print. Print. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were yeah. Going to say Gothic, that Gothic Beauty, Beauty, Beauty failed because Prince print. died. No. I, as someone who is a goth for a really long time, I'm going to talk about how goth is not the same like as it used to be. So, like from the midst of some, uh, from the perspective of someone in the subculture. I feel like it's really hard to tell who's goth anymore and that there are less, like, hardline goths than there used to be. If you're on the outside, you may be like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's a whole bunch of people who dress dark now. Guys, listen, if you're on the outside, I'm right here with you. I don't know anything about this. (laughs) From your perspective, someone's on the outside. so many questions. Do you have any concept, like, do you feel like you see any more or less goth people than you did, like, maybe, like, in the 90s or in the early 2000s? Um, I hate to say it so crassly, but goth people seem like something that sort of, like, fits into, like, uh, a cliche a little bit in terms of, like, oh, here's your group of high school kids. Here's the one who wears dark clothes and wears, like, makeup to lighten up their face or doesn't go in the sun or something like that. And then here's the jock and the nerd and the, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, like, to me, I don't feel like 
I've seen goth people since like school. Well, yeah, goth like in the like the really like strong visual sense, I feel like is generally a young person's game. But I feel like goth ages better than punk does because punk is like inherently youthful. Goth, I feel like you can weave into your wardrobe as you grow up and also like the same way with punk goth also has like a, a music component to it but i feel like you can be goth as an adult and it not be so like subversive you're gonna have to start at the beginning and tell us what goth yes. is gothic like as a subculture apparently started in the uk and it was actually it branched off of punk Susie and the banshees was one of the first bands like they started as a punk band they like hung out with the sex pistols and then they started developing a darker look and generally darker themes in their music. And other bands, like, included Bauhaus. Cure was considered uh, a goth band, too. However, none of these three that I just mentioned ever called themselves goth. So this was, like, a terminology that was developed after the fact. Like, to kind of say, like, oh, they all have this thing in common. They all have, like, really dark themes and they all have, like, a really dark style. Like, this is not going to be punk. This is going to be its like- own thing. Like, the Smiths aren't goth, are they? They um, seem like they would fit right in there with themes and look yeah, and everything like that. E, but I don't think they're generally goth-adjacent. Goth. There are, yeah, I think they're goth-adjacent. And I never really got too much of the Smiths, so I can't talk, like, definitively, but yeah, I think they're, like, exactly goth-adjacent. So when I was young, you know, you couldn't really call yourself goth without at least knowing, like, some of these early bands, unless you wanted to seem like a poser. So most people, like, when they got into the goth subculture, from my experience, they started just by imitating looks of the lead singers of these early bands. So maybe you tease your hair really big like Robert Smith, like one of my friends used to do, or, like, put a whole inch of, like, crazy black eyeliner like Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees, like I would do. But also with that, at least when you're younger and you really want to fit into the, the mold of what the subculture is, being a goth had to come with some sort of sadness, an, appreci- an appreciation for death of the macabre, and generally goths were way more introspective. And, like, goths took pride in being more introspective than, let's say, the preps or the jocks or whatever. And that said, one common misconception throughout time is that goth has something to do with devil worship, which it does not. It just has to do with, like... Just witchcraft. Uh, no, not even. Like, no. Modern-day goth has this all sorts of stuff attached to it. But when I was young, it was like just like you wanted to dress dark. Mind you, some goths were into witchcraft, but like to be goth was not inherently to like be into like dark yeah. arts witchcraft. Yeah, so, this is definitely like a Venn diagram type of situation. Yeah. Now, when I was growing up in my teen years and into like my college years, there were, like, I would say goths could be broken up into four different groups. There were a few more, but I'm just going to talk about, like, the four main ones. And I'm not saying, like, I made this up. I'm saying, like, these were terms. I was in the scene. These are terms people use. There's this gothic singer who kind of does, like, comedic stuff who wrote a book called What is Goth? Baby, Don't Hurt Me. Exactly. The book actually breaks down the types of goths that there are. And some of the main ones are... Traditional goths, romantic goths, cyber goths, and the dreaded mall goths. Some other ones are death rockers, but I feel like there's a lot of overlap with death rock. There's fetish goths, I feel like there's a lot of overlap. And maybe like gothic lolitas, 
but I feel like that's something all on its own. So, traditional goth. This is kind of like what a lot of people picture. Though traditional goths are usually really rooted in like the music aspect. There's always a lot of influence from like maybe 80s goth bands and even like the styles of like the 80s. So there's a lot of fishnets. This is like the goth style that usually have like big, long combat boots and a lot of dark makeup. If you're familiar with Death from the comic book Sandman, like traditional goths would kind of look like that, or like kind of look like Robert Smithy, and just or look generally... like Tim Burton movies. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Romantic goth is like the most dramatic of the goth types, both visually and personality. In most cases, romantic goth is less about the music, and it was more about like being deep and Parasols. Yes, exactly. I have it in depth. <laughs> This style involved a lot of lace, corsets, parasols, and Victorian-inspired clothing. When I was a little kid, I was a traditional goth, but I yearned to be a romantic goth, but I never had the money. Later on in my teen years, I discovered something called cyber goth, which I feel like it's a little bit far away from traditional goth and its roots. Here's the thing that I picked up about this. If you are goth, you can't be happy, and you can't use a lot of colors. And yeah, you can't engage in like energetic exercises. Like, like if you're a goth yeah. and you go to a show, you don't like jump around and dance and like everything like you're at a Beyonce concert. You sort of like maybe stand and sway a little bit, or you have like weirdo dances that you do that people look at you and go, "Oh, weirdo!" weirdo. Dances. Way but more than like sway. the cyber goths are trying to somehow marry rave culture and goth culture. Yes. I would say the only way that cyber goth really overlaps with other goth subcultures is an appreciation for industrial music and platform boots and maybe corsets. But cyber goth, I have written down, these are rave kids that liked goth industrial music. These are rave kids feeling like their rave scene isn't there anymore and they need to infringe on someone else's or something. I don't know. Um, Cyber goths, would listen to ravey techno-y industrial music. They wore sky-high platform boots, really bright. Like, a lot of times it wasn't black. It was, like, neon-colored PVC outfits, corsets. And a lot of them had these weird tubular, not, like, tubular, but, like, tube-shaped, like, mesh um, synthetic hair extensions. They seem like they're halfway to steampunk. Yes, I'm not even talking about steampunk. Thank God. (laughs) I don't, it's just whatever. I feel like that's so far removed. I feel like romantic goth is off of traditional goth and steampunk is off of romantic goth. So I feel like it's so many steps removed. Why even mention it? I I used to go goth clubbing and I remember I got hit in the face with a cyber goth's hair once and it hurt so bad. Their dreadlocks are so heavy. God. Anyway, mall goth is what no one who actually wanted to be in the goth culture wanted to be. This is someone who clearly got all of their goth clothing from a Hot Topic and knew nothing about the origins of goths. Mind you, I did shop at Hot Topic, but you needed to make sure you had a good mix. I remember I went to a goth club once and I saw multiple girls wearing the same Hot Topic outfit, total posers. In the early 2000s, Hot Topic was way different than it is now. Hot Topic used to sell primarily goth clothes and, like, raver clothes. Hot Topic is more pop culture now, not, like, so, like, much on the outskirts. But um, basically you could spot a mall goth back in the day. They would be wearing really cheap corsets, 
they would be wearing a Tim Burton shirt or they would be wearing striped arm warmers or gigantic pants. Those were mostly mall cops. Friggin', friggin' stripes. Yeah. Um, so basically, I'm not going to explain necessarily how goth subcultures changed till now. I'm just going to talk about the state of where it is now and just like kind of like, I don't know. Listen, everybody. Everybody, pipe down. This is the state of the goth culture. No, I'm not. Well, by the president, president of the gothic culture society. <laughs> so basically, up through the mid-2000s, uh, I would say goth clothing was really expensive. And, like, you could still be goth without wearing expensive clothing. But, like, you know, you were probably, like, altering your own stuff. But if you really wanted to be, like, a really, like, nicely dressed goth, it took a lot of money. And primarily where you could get stuff is... If you wanted a chance that you'd go to Hot Topic, but if you actually wanted to be seen as, like, a legit goth, you would either get it at a thrift store, or you would buy it from, like, a small online independent boutique, or maybe you would get some stuff overseas. People took a lot of pride in their goth wardrobes, and unlike punk, where, like, simply the act of calling yourself punk would therefore make you not punk, goth liked to self-identify, and there was, like, no shame in that, like. You, you are happy to be a goth and be with other goths and say, like, this is what I am. what I am. I used to be able to see who was a goth. I feel like they really wore it very clearly. And I don't feel like mainstream culture was really taking a lot of pieces of goth culture and trying to, like, sport it. Minus except for, like, The Matrix, which even that, there wasn't a lot of staying power. Nowadays, it is very hard to identify a goth. I was trying to, while I was writing this, I was trying to, like, break down why. Like, I was reading some articles, and some were like, oh, because Twilight got popular. But no one's dressed no. gothic in Twilight. Mind no. you, that that made, like, appreciation of vampires. But I think it's mostly the, the rise of, like, style blogs and Instagram with all the, like, beauty outfit of the day pictures and beauty tutorials and youtube it feels like that's where that stuff like thrives now like you are you are like a character on social media that is like a goth person that sort of thing yes but also since all of these ideas are being like shared so much more and people who might not have had um peers to share it with are, are, like, having a bigger community, but also people who would not have been um, exposed to it are suddenly seeing these things and kind of, like, taking bits and pieces for themselves. Yeah. So now I think, like, in the general fashion world, there's bits and pieces of goth stuff that no one would have been caught dead wearing the other day. So now it's really hard to be like, is that person goth or did they just think dark lipstick looked cool? Because now, actually, almost every single drugstore brand of lipstick sells black lipstick, which was, like, impossible to find. And basically, I think I was reading that, like, Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner wears black lipstick and, like, sells some black lipstick. I was looking around, and, like, everyone wears combat boots now or, like, some watered-down version of combat boots. Even, like, yeah. like middle-aged conservative women. I that Hillary used to be Clinton my thing. wears uh, combat boots. I think you're lying, but <laughs> I don't mean, like, straight-up military ones. I mean, like, they have this, like, watered-down, like, winter yeah, boot yeah, yeah. form of a combat boot that, like, everyone's wearing. And, uh, like, fast fashion brands like Forever 21 and H&M have so much, like, fishnet, black lace, and black velvet that are now, like, staples in stores everywhere. So basically, anyone who wants to be goth for a day or be like, this is my edgy outfit, like, that's become the norm. So, yeah. like... 
Yeah, so everyone could, like, be goth for a little bit to look cool. Mind you, that's not to say there is no growth in the actual goth community, but there is something that has emerged that I, at least, think it's derogatory. I don't like it. Uh, It's called New Goth. uh, N-U? Oh, nice, nice. There are actually a lot of cultures within that, but I think that new goth is a term, like I said, that like old school goths just umbrella it all because we all are just like, that's not a thing. Basically, if I were to sum it up, I would say new goth is like goth hipster meets insta-famous person. It has everything to do with the fashion, almost nothing to do with the music, and it's very polished and it's very trendy. It's like so on trend. So new goth style, most of it's all black, but it's black like crop tops. It's like really oversized sunglasses. It's a lot of really wide brim black fedoras, like the one I wore with you, Pete. That yeah. that uh that was from Total New Goth store. <laughs> a lot of ombre hair for some reason. And in New Goth, there was a movement to bring pastels in it. So there's this thing called pastel goth, which you, just looks like, like hippies. Yeah, like what the hell is that? However, there's this other thing that has been brought into the new goth trend lately. It's like really annoying to me. The newest trend among new goths is like an obsession with being anti-religious and like pro-Satan. And not like they're actually devil worshiping, but it's all about like sporting occult symbolism in a cheeky way. So like one, if I was like an actual witch, I'd be annoyed. If I was a devil worshiper, I'd be annoyed. I'm a Christian and I like dressing goth and I'm just like, come on, the dress is nice. Can you take this 666 off of it? Also, can you all stop wearing upside down crosses just because you think it looks cool? If you actually do not like Christ, fine. But if you think that looks cool, that's really upsetting. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of like pastel shirts where they're considered goth because they have an upside down cross on them or they have a pentagram on them. Now, like I said, new goths, there are a lot of little subsets. There are things called mermaid goths, which don't count to me. Thumbs down. There was something called fitness goths, nope. uh, which doesn't count. And like I told you, there's something called pastel goth. But um, I think that in itself is cute, but I don't think the word goth needs to be in it. There's, uh, so fast, food, there's fast food goth. <laughs> yeah. Organic goth. Avocado goth. <laughs> That probably is a thing. Yeah. I wouldn't say goth is dead, but the gothic beauty magazines still exist, but the articles they put out, I feel like a lot of these new goths wouldn't appreciate. Like, gothic beauty magazine had articles like, how to talk to your parents about being a goth. I don't feel like a lot of people need that anymore, because, like, I don't feel like it's so subversive anymore. Or, like, there's a lot of really extravagant, like, Victorian corsets. And, like, these young new goths aren't wearing lavish Victorian clothing. Like, they're looking like Coachella girls, but all in black. So, I don't know. The goth I knew, I feel like, is, if not dead, is really hard to access. And, again, I don't need to be an adult moping and wearing too much black eyeliner. But, like, I I do like goth music, and I do like the style, and I do think I can weave it into my wardrobe as an older person. I, oh, I did go goth clubbing the other day, and it was almost all people in their 30s. Because, like I told you, this new goth thing has nothing to do with the music. 
So I do think now if you go golf clubbing, you will find a lot of like older people who actually love the real golf subculture. So you kind of need to go looking for it. And everything you see like so easily, I feel like it's not true to the heart of what golf really was. So very quickly, if you don't mind, you have mentioned the music mm-hmm. and how the music is vital. Uh-huh. How would you characterize goth music? There's different types of goth music. Like like there's industrial, there's like techno, there's like the cure. But I would say across the board, it's either somewhat lyrically darker and usually the melodies and like instrumentation are darker. I don't necessarily mean sad, but there's just like a like you know, just you, you I think can I, tell. Yeah, darker. I think yeah. I know what you mean. And perhaps too, at times like some grandiose type fashion too, like a chamber pop type thing. What? I just remember I was on when I was uh, on the bus as a kid. There was this girl named Emily Simons, and everybody was like, "That girl's weird," because she wears dark clothes. And they were like, "She's goth," and I was like, "She's pretty." And then <laughs> she had a patch on her bag that said "Cold Chamber," and I'm like, "Yeah, oh. I'm get into Cold Chamber." And then I went home. I was like. And this was, of course, when you downloaded one song, it took like a whole entire hour yeah. to download like a three-minute song. And I downloaded it. I'm like, I don't want to be in Nicole Jamer. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, when you first said that, I thought you said Chamber Pot or something. I did. That's what... Chamber Pop, yes. What is Chamber Pot? Chamber Pop tends to have like cathedral-like sound. Oh, Pop. I thought you yes. said Chamber Pot. Like yeah, what you yeah, Chamber in... Pot. Yeah, I you pee know. in a Chamber Pot. Yeah, that's what you said. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's a lot of different types of goth music, but it all has has that darkness. And there's there's this singer I like called Emily Autumn, who doesn't dress in black at all. She dresses all in pink, but all her music was about like being in an insane asylum. She's a violinist, but she plays an electric violin, and it's this mix of like operatic singing with guttural screams. And goth people loved her. Eat that shit up. Yeah, but then she was like, what? Like, she was, like, really, like, I'm not goth. But then, then like, that ended up being her audience. So basically, yeah, they, they're usually, like, darkness. Like, taking comfort in darkness, whether it's thematically or instrumentally. That's that's what I would say goes across the board, no matter what kind of goth you're, you're going at. And, um, I mean, some goth music is, like, silly. There's, like... That gothic Christmas song I always make you listen to. But, but it's overall... Called, it's called good. Gothic Christmas, guys, if you want to yeah. look it up. like to hear some goth music i recommend the cure of course i recommend Susie and the banshees was what made me goth and i recommend if you want to hear some real dark weird shit listen to clan of zymox x-y-m-o-x it's like people with voices like really deep <laughs> and it's really moany with industrial like gears in the background i love this is it moany moany <laughs> Yeah, most of the 
things being adapted by the mainstream i feel like that's too snooty and too crotchety to be like no it's dead once it's mainstream however i do feel like if it's so mainstream that you can't tell who actually latches onto the ideals it kind of makes me sad and i know that that sounds like some teenage thing to be coming out of a 32 year old mouth but that was what got me through my adolescence like having that community so if suddenly like i wanted that goth community but i couldn't tell the real goths between the cheerleaders who found black lipstick and i like if we're all honest with ourselves i think the problem is now you actually have to get to know somebody to know whether or not their values align with goth values (laughs) instead of just going you wear black lipstick i bet you're goth like me and it turns out that you're right (laughs) but yes but also, like, yeah, I'm not saying you shouldn't get to know someone. And I'm not saying you're only friends with someone because they're a goth. But I'm saying that it almost... It was easier. But that was a saving grace for a shy kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have so many friends. Cause... We talked about this last episode of the episode before with the punk people on the street that, that look down yeah. upon you because of your business clothes. Yeah, but also... You don't know what's on the inside. <laughs> but on the flip side, the shy girl I was made friends just because I looked like somebody else. And that was... I would have never made friends otherwise. That's why I get a little pissy about subcultures dying. Plugs. Marissa, do you have anything to plug this week? If you live in Philadelphia and need a haircut, you should go ask for Anna at the Beehive. She's the only person I let cut my hair. That's all I have to plug. That's a good plug. She's a glorious person. (laughs) good to have glorious people i wanted to plug episode five in season three of the show love an episode titled birdie's birthday which was like the high point of my last week watching that episode because i love the character of birdie in the show and she doesn't have anybody to hang out with because her boyfriend can't leave the apartment and her best friend is busy with work and so she sort of like meets up with an acquaintance and he takes her to uh, throw back a wrestling uh, event. And Birdie just lets loose and has a good time and accepts the whole thing. And it works into this episode because the big guy who is one of the wrestlers in the show is called Keith the Cremator. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and he has a role partway through it. And uh, it was just kind of a cute, uh, heartwarming, uplifting episode of TV. So uh, give that a shot if you got Netflix. Okay, cool. Sounds good. As always, everybody, you can find us at yallheard.me online. Wherever you want to listen to a podcast, look for us. Uh, Rate us, love us, review us, what have you. Um, Did I say 570-POD-WOD-1 already? No, but now. (laughs) You can call us, text us, what have you, at 570-POD-WOD-1 and give us your feedback, your ideas, whatever, and uh, we will definitely work it into the show because we are super lazy some weeks and uh, looking for anything to help us along. (laughs) Hopefully Pete will talk about dark web to us soon. Yeah, and I will sit quietly in the dark with my eyes closed and my legs crossed trying to think of my childhood celebrity crush. Cool. (laughs) The only thing I'm coming up with is Laura Layton from Melrose Place, who was the crazy redhead. (laughs) Not Kimberly, the other crazy redhead. (laughs) 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.